Hey guys, this is Alex, and welcome to the Two Dudes Brews and Reviews podcast. Today, we're talking about James Cameron's 2009 film, Avatar. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the podcast, and maybe even tell your friends about us. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the show. Before we get into the movie, you went on uh, you went on vacation to the white man's paradise of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. That's a really good way to describe <laughs> Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It's like a a tourist trap in the middle of the mountains. Mm. If you're not at Myrtle Beach, you're at a uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. This is so true. And if you're at neither of those, you're right here in Ohio. What's up with people from Ohio going to Gatlinburg or Florida? I think it's a thing where. Us people in Ohio really have to pretend to be a lot smarter than we are. And so when you go down to Tennessee and Florida, you really can just get on your inner uh, dumbass and go back down to the white trash roots that we really are. That's just my my guess. I saw so many trendy mullet haircuts when yeah. I was down there. They've uh, advanced from regular mullets to like the, the fade mullets. Mm. Yeah. It's a thing right now. It's fucking ugly. Oh, it's terrible. Just go. I'm just, not even going to come. I have long ass hair right now, so... Just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. Just grow it out. Yeah, that's our advice. I feel like there's nothing to say about my trip, really. I mean, it was Gatlinburg. Did you do the mountain coaster? Nah, we didn't. Didn't do any go-karting? No, we did like the mini golf bullshit, and yeah. we ate at subpar restaurants. Correct. And that's Gatlinburg. Did you right go there. to Newport, the, not Newport Aquarium, the, uh, the Ripley's Aquarium? Not this time. Good. I've been before. Dude, that shit's over in five minutes. Is it? Yeah, like I feel like anytime you walk through the door, you're right at the exit. The only notable thing that happened the entire trip is I saw a black bear. Oh shit, I almost <laughs> completely forgot. And I don't mean that I went to the zoo and saw a black bear. There wasn't a cage between me and him. Mm-hmm. We were walking back to our hotel. It was about two in the morning. Mm-hmm. We had just left this arcade that was probably the only thing open in the entire town mm-hmm. at that time. And we walk by an alley and I see something like big crawl out of a dumpster <laughs> and like my brain didn't know it yet, but my heart did because mm. it like sunk into my stomach immediately. And I was with my wife and my mom and we were all carrying pizza with oh my us, God. which like made me even more scared. And it ran directly at us from across the street and it went right behind my mom and then it turned around and ran back to the dumpster. What the fuck? And this was... I. I sent you a picture uh-huh. of it. It was a big boy. It was a biggin' guy. God, dude. Actually, just thinking about it right now, it's making my heart beat. You know what? You know how you fix that? You, 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 you swig down a little, little infamous uh, local brewery Fig Leaf uh, Star Crusher IPA. The infamous. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but this is a, a beloved uh, a beer by both of us. that you, uh, you turned me on to a couple years ago. I don't think it's been available since we started doing this show really no, it hasn't i don't think they brought it back last year they did not yeah fig leaf local brewery yeah they didn't have it in cans this time so uh, we had to purchase a growler at the brewery to get it filled and so we have approximately two liters of eight percent easy drinking ipa so this should uh help fuel our our madness later this evening the uh the notable thing that happened for me i got engaged uh this past weekend so that was a uh, <sighs> it was something. It was uh, nerve-wracking, to say the least. Well, congratulations, man. Thanks. I think I already told you that, but... You did. Just gotta let our viewers know that I'm a broken man, and it begins now. <laughs> uh, Life's over, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at your funeral. 
Do you want to talk about like yeah how it went down? Yeah, oh my God, I'm getting anxiety <laughs> just thinking about it. Uh, well, we went to a, a local restaurant. It's called Jags. It's a steak and seafood place, and it's like fine dining. And I had been there, so I took her there. We had, we would never celebrated our like anniversary type stuff, but this year we did. We started dating five years ago on uh, May 28th. And so I took her there Saturday, which was May 28th. And so we were celebrating our, our five year together and everything. And we had an, a lovely waitress and started out with like shrimp cocktail and bread, obviously. I had a steak with like seafood on it and like hollandaise sauce. It was really, really good. Uh, and she had scallops and a lobster tail. Expensive as fuck. Elizabeth, Jesus fucking Christ. And uh, better get used to it, man. Yep. Women, I tell ya. I'm glad that my wife has bad tastes. <laughs> we just picked up Cracker Barrel for her. Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, she likes old people food. Biscuits and, and gravy and corn and cornbread. She, she would never eat anything that comes out of the water. No. Elizabeth doesn't really like steak, so, you know, I never have to pay for her. I like to get a nice steak, but I did have to pay for her to get her a nice-ass lobster tail, so. Um, it was a great dinner. I had a nice glass of red wine, and our waitress brought us out a slice of cheesecake to celebrate. To set the stage, we were like in a smaller room in the restaurant with uh, about four other tables were seated with us, all about as big as this uh, basement that we're sitting in right now. And I was like, buddy, dinner's almost over, man. You got you to gotta get this shit rolling. So I got up and I went over to her and I got down on one knee and uh, I asked her. Uh, she said yes. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. It was over with and I was glad it was over with and our waitress brought us out uh, some nice champagne to celebrate and uh we went up we went about our business and went back to her family and showed them and everything and yeah now i'm here and now it's time to plan a wedding which will be just as stressful i'm sure are you guys planning on doing it like relatively soon be in the next two years for sure we mm-hmm. gotta pick a date and a venue right now we're trying to close on an apartment and all that bullshit so little things like that we'll get there it'll be here sooner than i expect and i'll be talking about it on the podcast then but uh yeah it was a milestone moment in my life and uh, i'm excited to be with her uh i know it's really coming through on the podcast here um <laughs> but yeah you did, you did take cbd gummies today i did i'm a little more uh, mellow um it'll be less so later i'm sure when we get to talk about our uh, our movie finally we're uh, we're doing avatar per my recommendation uh a james cameron film it's from 2009 coming off that fucking housing market crash boys here we are um <laughs> Yeah, we've we've talked about this this movie enough on the podcast. We probably could have cut all the clips and made it its own podcast, but have we? We talked about it quite a bit. At least I have. It's just a fond memory of uh, of seeing it in theaters in 3D, which is a great talking point. Let's get into it. Like when you strip this movie down to what it is in standard viewing, non big screen, its plot holes show tremendously. There is something about the cultural impact of when it came out. Everyone's seen it. It's the number one uh, grossing film of all time still. Do you have any idea what the the number it hit is? Uh, it's like two trillion, maybe? It was in theaters for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it until about 2010, and I still got to see it in a theater in 3D. Yeah, uh, the 3D really adds to the mesmerizing nature of the film where I remember just feeling so entranced and you know I think the runtime obviously helps fill that 
you're feeling so ingrained and part of the film at the same time. And I would love to see it in 3D again. I feel like that movie came out in 3D and it probably caught the trend of uh, at at home 3D TVs and Blu-ray players and all that shit. And it'd be nice to see it again in that in that context. And I'm not sure is the second one going to be out in 3D. Like I, I imagine so. I bet it will be. That's not really a trend that's been prevalent over at least the last couple of years. I feel like Avatar kind of brought that onto the scene mm-hmm. again and then uh every single movie tried to be 3d after that yeah so they could charge you an extra three dollars when you go to the theater kind of glad that it uh tempered out a little bit like i think you were able to see <clears throat> the most recent doctor strange movie in 3d really yeah but it's not like something that is a big uh selling point i feel like for most films now obviously mm, no like nothing's ever advertised in 3d or maybe we just don't notice it because we're not kids anymore like, was that a big thing? Was that the whole selling point was seeing it in 3D? Like for Avatar specifically? Just as a kid, when you watch movies, when you see an advertising on TV in between SpongeBob and whatever the fuck you're watching. I think that... when you're a kid, you don't really see it as a gimmick yet. That's what I'm getting at. Hmm. I don't know. But, um, I mean, if the the next Avatar is in 3D, I'll, uh, I'd be down. Yeah, sure. Why not? But, uh... This was like one of those those films that first was able to capture on a large scale as well with multiple characters. CGI humanoid characters that didn't feel like super uncanny valley where it was sold really well. And obviously it has to do with the world building of the film and James Cameron's vision to help create this world and but let like let's get into it. Like I mean, we get to meet our blank slate <laughs> boring ass main character right from the get go. Okay, I'm glad that you feel the same way. I remember I think you can look up the like the original release trailer for the film and there's like unused footage that never made it and it's like uh Jake Sully back on Earth. Part of me thinks that this movie could have easily been 4 or 5 hours and it was just cut in a way to like remove a lot of Jake Sully's backstory. I did feel like it brushed over things very quickly in the beginning. And I think that's one of the biggest detriments of the film. Not that I want it to be longer, but I think the script is super weak in a way that's undescribable. And the only thing that really keeps the film afloat is the visuals. And uh, that's okay. I just, I want more from our characters because it could be so much more than what it is. I agree completely. Like the main antagonist of ranger rick or whatever the fuck his name is colonel i don't even know his last name Colonel who gives a fuck exactly i watched it last night and i already forget like what's this guy's motive like i understand that it was kind of brushed on when you know jake sully gets to meet him for the first time and he talks about how he kind of got his ass kicked on his first week out here on pandora you know he's got a huge scar on his face you know does that make him like more angry at the navi people yeah he's like just so full of malice and and hatred to the point where it feels like parody it does and it's yeah frustrating it just feels like no one really has a great motive to be there but here's the other thing you get that first opening monologue and it's like yeah we have to hunt out other other planets because we've we've drained our earth of its natural resources and it's like okay and then it's never mentioned ever again like Mm-mm. everybody's it doesn't seem like they have a great reason to be there because once you're in it you're there and it's never brushed on ever again it's just like there's bad guys past that fence 
and we got to go in there. And to me, that feels uh, super bland. It's like vanilla ice cream, mm. almost. Not even with, like, sprinkles. Just vanilla ice cream. Yeah, and, like, an off-brand. And I kind of get why the story is so basic and, like, why the characters are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Because James Cameron's main focus of the movie was innovating this new technology mm-hmm. and putting it to use here. Isn't it true that he had bounced this movie script around for, like, at least since the 90s, maybe? Jesus Christ. Yeah. What? And uh, I don't think they were ready to make the movie yet because mm-hmm. the technology wasn't available. So, really, if you think about it, this is, like, the world's most expensive tech demo. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I've heard it described. I think I almost feel as if James Cameron had a better idea but maybe like studios were involved or other producers things got more vanilla like things got kind of got dumbed down and i know like i'm pretty sure james cameron i think his brother helped him i could be wrong but i think he like wrote a book on the biology of pandora and everything like really expanded out this world and part of me thinks if it's supposed to be the first installment of like a long ass series, they just kind of had to like ship it out the door a little unfinished as far as like script writing and world building goes to make it more streamlined and suitable for the public. And not to mention, it's almost a three hour movie. So he had a lot of time to work with and it still didn't quite feel finished as far as script and dialogue. I mean, do you feel the same way? I mean, because... There's only a few characters that I find redeemable throughout the entire film. I'd say I shared almost the exact same sentiment. Yes. Uh, I feel like they had to do it so it appealed to the biggest audience they could. Mm. There's nothing in this movie that feels challenging in any way. The subject matter or like the themes that it's trying to tackle are very surface level. And I agree with the themes that it's trying to tackle. Mm. This environmental saving the planet Uh and leaving indigenous people alone. But I've seen it described as like a rain puddle. It could be a mile wide, but it's only like an inch deep. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Perfect example of poor writing. They're here for something called unobtainium. Yeah, that's really bad. Let's just let that speak for itself. As a kid, that went right over my head. But when I watched this movie, I went, wait, what? Did you not remember that? I was like, what is it called? As a kid, you're just like, it's a fucking thing that they get. And now I'm like, I don't get it. It's it's so frustrating as somebody with an almost fully developed frontal cortex <laughs> to like digest through my ears. Uh, like, how did that happen? Like, why make that choice? It's little things like that that really help dumb down what could be a very interesting and fun world that this this movie's set up in. And to me, it's like, why? <laughs> it's like building a nuclear reactor without any fail-safes. Yeah. It's like you're waiting for something to implode. This movie 9-11 itself, like, I don't understand <laughs> why, do, why do that. It's just little shit, you know what I mean? Unobtainium sounds like the name they would put in the script as, like, a placeholder. Mm. Like, okay, we'll come up with a better name later. And then somehow it just made it in. And then also, what is it used for? It was never like... I think they said it was worth a lot of money. It's worth a lot of money. But why? Why is it worth a lot of money? They might as well have just called it the MacGuffin. Mm. It's not much more basic than unobtainium. It's like the Bitcoin of this world. No one knows what it does, but we're we're buying it. And you know, they only mention it like in one scene. Yes. And then it's never expanded upon. Mm-hmm. The whole reason why we kind of get our uh, our plot 
gets rolling is because their their home tree, which is this massive skyscraper of a tree, is sitting on the largest deposit of this resource. Our main character, Jake Sully, has to infiltrate. I don't think I feel like I have to explain the plot. Everybody's seen this fucking movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we can screw around <laughs> that shit. <laughs> the whole love interest shit really bothered the fuck out of me. As an adult, looking back into it, it gets revealed to uh, Natiri that his whole reason to be there is to get them to move so he could bring them this message. And then five minutes later, she's like, I love you. Yeah. And then she gets mad at him again. Like five minutes later after that, uh-huh. when uh, Papa Smurf dies. Well, that's prior. Like uh, it goes, you're an outsider. I don't like you to I'm in love with you to I hate you because my whole tribe is dead to I love you because you captured this big giant dragon and everything's okay now. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of points in the second act where things dragged or seemed a little repetitive. Uh-huh. You know how like most movies have that uh the second act low point where like okay now we got to climb back up the hill to reach like a climax or some emotional payoff of some sort where it could take like 15 to 20 minutes maybe. Yeah. This movie did it like three or four times. Yeah. Like we didn't need that. In that first hour of the film, it's about 40 minutes in is when he finally touches down and goes to the the tribe and meets everyone and and that's like again 40 minutes in. And then you get probably 30 to 40 minutes of what almost feels like a montage with a little bit longer scenes, maybe like five-minute scenes where you get the horse, the the bow and arrow, the the dragons. It really takes its time, which is fine. I get it. It's a long-ass movie, and you need to expand this world. That stuff's all fine and dandy, but again, after, you know, Home Tree falls, it gets super boring. So fucking boring. Like, all the shit back at the compound I find super boring. Are you talking when our heroes are, like, taken mm-hmm. hostage? As traitors? Yeah. This is where I get really bored because our other supporting actors are so fucking boring. The oh, only, they're bad. The only one that's not is uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, and she dies, so, like, that's not fun. And not to say that you can't kill a great character in a in a movie, but it's like your contract's not going on past this film. They're really killing off the one one of the likable characters, and you're being left with the boring scientist guy and the nerdy sidekick. Is Trudy the helicopter lady? Mm-hmm. To the helicopter lady. She has nothing to her. Yeah, she's the helicopter lady, and she dies. Yeah. And when she dies, it's like, eh, she died. Even her line delivery... When it's awful. When her helicopter's getting shot down, she's like, I guess the mission is over. <laughs> like it's so robotic. Sorry, Jake. Yeah. Like it feels like she's supposed to be some type of like Sigourney Weaver badass Ripley character. Uh but uh no, she's not. She's like uh I've heard it best described as Sarah Connor knockoff. Mm, yeah. And uh yeah, she is for sure. And she's definitely written that way. Like she's super boring. Nobody on the human side of things really has any depth to them, and that includes our main character. Obviously, he's paralyzed from the waist down, and that's like his whole motivation of being back inside of his uh, avatar body because he can live out what would be his normal life again amongst these uh, the, these tribal people. Yeah, it fucking sucks because I really, really hope in this second film that they expand upon... Some deeper themes or things are more fun as far as uh, our characters go and less about the world that we're in. 
because uh look man like you can have a great world but if you can't tell a compelling story like why are we here and that's like super frustrating to me yeah hopefully this is just the blueprint and i mean that fully with a pun intended intended (laughs) right there do you hate this movie uh like as an overall i don't uh, hate it it's not like a it's not like a uh, jack and jill type of thing yeah no not at all you know actually uh we've been shitting on it shitting on it a lot so far but i actually liked it more than i thought i was going to that's good i mean like when's the last time you saw this movie 10 years ago yeah okay i was going in expecting to like fully hate this Mm. i've been reading all these reddit threads about like how this is one of the worst movies ever or Mm. like the most overrated movie ever and that's just like hyperbolic like Mm. that's not true it's an okay movie yeah it's like mid yeah it's mid with like the highest budget you can think of, which is perfectly fine. I'm all here for the visuals. The world building on like the, the Navi tribe side is super fun. It's just where I have problems with our characters a lot. I think the soundtrack is fucking great too. Like soundtrack's awesome. Like beautiful motifs littered throughout. The soundtrack feels completely thought out. It holds up well. And so does like the special effects. The special effects hold up super well. There was only like a handful of times in this it's a long fucking movie. There's plenty of opportunities for things to fail because the vast majority of this film is CGI. So, you know, the likelihood of failure is high at certain points. The only problem I had was sometimes the lighting was wrong and I especially noticed it on Sigourney Weaver's character. Yeah, it was like Uncanny Valley a little bit, specifically for her. I almost think like her nose was not Navi enough if I'm thinking about it in my head because it felt like you pasted her face onto a body and not like integrated (laughs) her very well. And also like her character was old or like, you know, in her mid-life. Yeah, 40s or 50s or whatever. It's... She comes off as a middle-aged scientist, and then her body was super youthful, so that kind of like threw a little bit of a, a kink in the, in the operation. Her body was more slender than I expected. What was the shirt she was wearing? Like a Harvard or a Stanford? They really made a, a fitted Navi t-shirt for Stanford <laughs> just for her? I guess. This is really weird to me. Uh, I think it was maybe supposed to try to add like a, oh, she's, you know, she graduated from Stanford, and... Oh, like, look, they wear human clothing. Because, like, you know, Norm and even Jake, they'll wear human clothing uh, at the beginning of the film. And and Norm, the buddy sidekick scientist, he wears it throughout Mm -hmm. when he's in his uh, Navi body. I think the problem with, like, Grace's avatar CGI might have to do somewhat with, again, that age gap. And then also the majority of the film, you see Grace as her human self and very little of her in her avatar body. So maybe that kind of adds a little bit of a disbelief to it. It's hard to catch, and it's there's a lot in this movie, so that, that stuff goes pretty under the radar if you really have to sit down and think about it. You know, I love Sigourney Weaver, but I don't think she was really bringing her A-game, no, like acting-wise. So. Not really. I felt like there was really nothing to, nothing to her. I think in the cast of characters, I think she did the best. And I think it's because her writing was a lot better. Like, even though she might have been like a parody type of like tough on the outside, soft on the inside type of character, you know, her her off the cuff comments, comedy relief was I found enjoyable. Like when she goes up to the office and says you're intentionally pissing on me and things like that, (laughs) where, you know, I found I found her motives very believable. It had been alluded to that she had been close to the tribe at one point. 
and she had been outcast at this point because she had to teach the Navi English, and you know she was probably like one of the first. She's probably like one of their first contacts to humanity. I found her character somewhat redeeming amongst the the rest of the supporting cast because when you compare her up to fucking Ranger Rick, uh, <laughs> yeah, or Trudy or Norm or any of like the family tribe, the clan leaders and shit. I found her uh, her motives very believable. Okay, I can see that then. Maybe she was just the best out of a, a boring bunch. Correct. Maybe. There was one scene that was really weird to me involving her. It was towards the beginning when Sully first gets into the Avatar body. Before this scene happened, she seemed really dismissive of Sully, saying like, all right, like Jughead, mm-hmm. stupid Marine. And then he gets into the body and he goes outside and then Sigourney Weaver's there in her avatar body, and she's like, hey, what's up, Sully? And they're, like, playing basketball and shit. It was, like, a really weird tone change to me. Mm. It went from, like, hate to, mm-hmm. like, hey, what's up, dude? Yeah, it does go from, like, that scorn, dismissive attitude to the reflexes are looking <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, I did find that whole sequence very fun, though, as far as... Jake's character goes like getting to see him get his legs back and completely disregarding all the doctors and everything and him moving his tail around and hitting everybody with it it gives you that first up close look at the scale difference between human and avatar and kind of shows you how imposing they can be and why they might be fearful you know I think that that was one of the best scenes him waking up for the first time as the avatar just the whole like paraplegic you know guy getting his legs again that was really it was one of the few emotional moments Mm. to me like watching him wiggle his toes in the in the soil again, like that was very. I, I wouldn't say very actually. Now that I think about it, it's uh it's nice to see a little bit of sentiment and emotion brought into that because up until this point he's been like super depressive almost. You know, part of me like really wanted to like see him do like the obstacle course training and shit because like him running out, I'm like I want to like explore this whole training grounds that they have. That would have been really cool, but time restraints, you know. Things are happening super fast. You can't really expand upon stuff for more than five minutes at a time. Where in certain aspects, they could take 30 minutes, you know what I mean? Or 25 minutes have a lot of, uh, oh, how do you put it? It feels like the movie starts and then 15, 20 minutes in, it's like, okay, he's in his body. You get to skip like a lot of the logistics, which I'm not saying like logistics are fun. Things do happen really fast. Like that whole scene between him and Grace him out on the training grounds and it's like okay time to go to bed like i felt like i missed something Mm -hmm. almost and same with when he shows up at home tree it's like okay you're going to teach him our ways now and then it's like okay we sit around a campfire for 30 seconds and then we walk up the tree and we go to bed and that's it yeah and And they're like you're one of us now uh uh-huh i found like the training montage i found it pretty fun i'm not gonna lie that's one of my favorite parts of the film. Feeling like you're engraved or ingrained into the culture a little bit. I think it kind of adds into the. You ever heard like the press surrounding the film of like people being de- depressed after seeing the movie? Oh my God, yes. I forgot that this was a thing. Yeah. I want to leave my life and go to Pandora. Uh huh. Hey man, the <laughs> Disney ride, it's a good fucking time. God damn it. I haven't, I haven't been on it. Oh my God. I walked away feeling like I don't want to live in this world. <laughs> I need the I need VR to be a thing right now. I think they're making a new Avatar game actually. Now that I remember, 
a game. Yeah, they're making another game. There was like mm. games that came out with the release of the film. I think I had one on my PSP. Really? Um, mm-hmm. I knew there was like an Xbox 360 game mm. around this time too. I had the PSP game and it was exactly what you think it is. Like boring ass third person platformer type objective. Shoot the Marines with a bow. Yeah, it's stupid. But they're making a new one. Uh, I think Ubisoft has the rights to it. I think. I don't know. I won't play it. They somehow struck... I don't... When did they build, like, the Pandora stuff at Animal Kingdom? I'd say around 2016 or 17. Jesus Christ, that's so late. Yeah. God, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but I feel like they were trying to make this a franchise before it, like, deserved to be called a franchise. Mm -hmm. Like, the marketing was, like, insane for this Mm -hmm. with games, toys, an entire section of Disney World. I mean, this movie came out like 13 years ago and there still hasn't been a follow-up. There is no franchise yet. Yet. I think the third and fourth movies are in filming right now and the second, or maybe it's the the third one's already in post-production. I don't know. Man, I guess that's why we haven't seen this actor at all, our main character of Jake Sully. Like, he hasn't been in anything. James Cameron's just been keeping him busy for 13 years. I'm sure he's just being paid handsomely the whole time i'm sure he's not too upset about it you know what i think he might be a better actor the next time this comes around let's hope i'm not saying he didn't do a good job but man the script did not serve him yeah it was really plain his facial acting wasn't very good in the movie either really like his reaction shots or anything like that it just seemed like acting class 101 type stuff yeah and i think a lot of it gets shrouded by the fact that it's cgi I'm talking specifically when he's a human. Oh, well then, yes. I think the parts where he's in the Avatar body is a lot better. Uh Maybe not the voice acting. Like, it's okay. I mean, they nailed the the facial mapping Mm -hmm. on these CGI characters pretty well, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm not hating on that. And yeah, he is. He does have, like, a dissociative type of feel to him when he's in his human body. Especially, like, his interactions with the rest of, like, the science team and all that. I think, like, Natiri's character... Like, her motives are great, but I find the whole, my father's dead because of you, and now I still love you type of thing, like, super uncomfortable as an adult. Yeah, it just moved too fast. Mm-hmm. Like, there should have been, like, maybe... There should have been more tension between them prior to this immediate resolve. Yeah, because he immediately just goes and slays this dragon thing and brings it back, and it's like, okay, everything's good now. Man, it was still super weird even coming back to this movie. I've seen this movie dozens of times. Like, as when I, I watched it all the time after school when I was younger. It was one of those movies that I just watched on repeat. I can't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> We're finishing our glasses. It's showing now. Uh, I still found it super weird. The whole hair thing. Yes. I guess maybe I had seen it so many times where I didn't really think about it. But it was still it was still super jarring as, like, the first time I saw it. Just how much the hair plays a big deal into like the whole connecting into nature, connecting with other animals. I found it just super jarring. And at some point, don't they tie their hair together to mate or whatever the fuck? I think so, yeah. Doesn't that have weird implications about what they're doing with the animals, though? (sighs) You're breaking my reality. Stop. I don't like that thought. Yeah, let's move on past that one. Uh, Do these people cut their hair? No. Well, you're going to cut your dick off if you do so. (laughs) What a weird concept. Here's a great point. Why cover up the genitalia area if the genitalia is in the hair? Is it confirmed that the genitalia is in the hair? 
Is that a fact? I don't know what it is. It almost feels like it's their way to connect minds to nature and other animals because the whole you get the whole sequence with the horse that Jake is like feeling the breath and the heartbeat in the body of this horse after he makes the bond. But why are they covering up their dick area if that's how they mate? But I guess they don't breed through the hair. Like, I guess they don't give birth through the the hair canal. Do they even breed? Where were the children? There was, like, children. Was there? Yeah. I guess we'll find out in Avatar 2 where the babies come from because I guess they have kids in the next one. Okay. I do remember Grace saying, you can't tear down the tree because, like, families live there. Like, do you want to kill babies? But I don't remember seeing any babies. I remember seeing young kids, and there was one baby of note, and it's during when the tree falls. When the tribe is finally evacuating the area, there is a mother carrying a baby. It's a small little little mm. blue baby. Okay. Um, I guess it makes sense because a lot of the time that you see the Navi... It's like in these adult situations where they're training or they're doing like some kind of ritualistic sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess it makes sense that kids wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still super odd as like a world building device. I mean, I guess it kind of helps create like the alien feel. But let's talk about why they don't feel like aliens as well. They're these humanoid creatures and they have these big cute innocent eyes they got the disney eyes man and the ears all this shit yeah it's they're cat people that's the way pixar animates characters it's the cat method you've talked about this before have i big eyes draw sympathy from the audience Mm -hmm. big eyes small nose blown out proportions bigger cheekbones some sort of personality device with like the uh the ears you can animate like submissiveness, like other animals. Like when a dog puts its ear back or its tail down, can help convey more of like this animalistic, cutesy personality that they draw in. I've heard comparisons to, hey, remember District Nine? How ugly those fucking aliens were. Mm-hmm. But the reason you sympathize with them is because you got to see what their life was like through their eyes. And you root for them just as much as you do Vicus, the main character in that film, by the end of it. Um, I had had a lot of District 9 flashbacks watching this movie. mm -hmm. And that, it's like that, it's a little bit of a cheapening effect to the sympathy that they bring in. At least from plot and script writing. The design could have been more challenging. Mm -hmm. It would have been a more interesting movie if the Na'vi were like, kind of ugly or like, repulsive in some way. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking like, eight arms and like, ten eyes or something but it didn't have to be the disney face Mm -hmm. one of the problems lies in is that jake leans so heavily into the culture that he completely disregards his human life and the human motives that he originally comes from you know maybe they could have wrote in some sort of i don't know there's a ritual or uh, something culturally that would be completely foreign and repulsive or would like help create some sort of reluctancy from that character you know him to be like okay i found this super appalling but and have him weigh out certain things but like his motives go from zero to 100 like he flips sides really fast and it's all through like the lens of a a love interest which really in my opinion helps dumb down any sort of 
I don't know how you put it, like back and forth, wishy-washy, standing on the fence that he could have done. It should have been more of a gray area. Mm -hmm. Because like if he hadn't fallen in love with her, would he have just been like, all right, bulldoze this shit. Like, I don't care. That's what I'm getting at. And also I found it really jarring that, you know, once he, after like home tree falls, he begins to almost take up the mantle of like leading this clan, which those responsibilities should have fell on the son of the tribe when and it feels like he gets pushed into the background really fast he does and it's like this is the dude that just helped destroy your home and helped kill your father and now he's like some sort of savior figure i know that this narrative wasn't as big then as it is now but the white savior yeah i kept thinking that throughout the movie Like, someone from the outside coming in and, like, being the one, like, the chosen one. Even in a scene where Sully meets the mother character for the first time, she has, like, a sense about him, like, you must keep him around, or Mm -hmm. uh, this man's important. Why? Yeah, there was, like, previous to that, when he first meets Ntiri, it's, like, she's reluctant to kill him because, like, one of those jellyfish seeds fall on her bow. It's almost like their deity Awa is like their god, which, you know, also I found super interesting to think about outside of the context of the film, like regarding religion. I was thinking so much about like how how much you could pull out of this film and like make its own religion out of it. Like if you wrote it down on paper without context, it like could totally work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I found that shit interesting, like how much like doctrine can go in into like religion and stories and I don't know. I found it interesting. Maybe it's something that will be expanded on in the sequel. There's a whole lot of potential that this movie sets up. Yeah, and it's uh, it's almost it's like coming so late. Everybody's gonna rewatch this film again before they see the new one. Yeah, I really hope they just like dive in though. If it has any sort of like the same feel as this movie, as far as like we meet antagonist and now we must rise up together and kill the antagonist or evacuate these people from our lands i'm gonna get like very frustrated oh that would be bullshit i was kind of thinking that actually when this movie ended it was like okay what now like what else would you do here story-wise well i was thinking so much about how they're all getting ready to ship out they're shipping out all the humans and putting them on ships and sending them home And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, from a military point of view, all you would have to do, since your enemy is no longer near, is go back out into orbit and fucking be like, hey, we need reinforcements, Mm -hmm. and then touch back down. I mean, maybe that will happen, you know, as the setup for the next film, because it takes five years to get to Pandora or whatever. He'll have kids or whatever at this point, you know, maybe they'll come back. Our Ranger Rick character is casted in the following films. He is. He is casted in the following films. And part of me worries that they're going to do some weird shit and have him come back as some Avatar clone or some dumb shit. Oh, God, that'd be terrible. I guess you never see his dead body confirmation that he's really dead. Oh, my God. If they do some dumb shit like that, I'll I'll fucking get pissed. Like, there was another Marine off screen that that was nearby when he died and he put an oxygen mask on him or something like, please don't do that. Surprised to see me, Jake. (laughs) You didn't expect me to blend in with these blue people now, did you? Yeah, I can't do that shit. God damn it. I feel like I just watched a scene from Avatar 2. You did. 
I need to be paid right fucking now. Yeah. James Cameron, hit me up. You can contact me at poppypurd at gmail.com. That's not my email. Good luck to whoever it is. I think it would be interesting if the next movie was focused on like an, an inner conflict between the Navi. I have a feeling that might be the case. I hope so. That'd be way more interesting than more bad humans coming to take the MacGuffin away. I, th- I think uh, from what I can tell, just based off the trailer, the teaser trailer, they have children. One of them's a human. Yeah, there's a human. You'll have to watch it again. A human baby? There's a human child, and it's theirs. Part of me wonders if, like, other clans will come up against them because of the... Or, like, they'll have inner clan conflict because there's a human child amongst them. Okay. Stuff like that, where maybe that could be a plot point. That would be interesting. Because I think during the, some of the dialogue during the teaser trailer is like, I'll do anything to protect our family, blah, 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 blah. My face is blue, so are you. <laughs> Let's shoot our bow and arrows. Yeah, I don't know. Another con. Let's just fucking shit. Let's just this shit is, on it. This has been nonstop negativity for the most part. It's nonstop. It's nonstop throughout the film. Man. <laughs> uh, I don't hate it. It's still it's still super fun. I just think it needs to be held to a higher standard, especially looking forward. And I think that's kind of the way I've been wanting to tackle it to begin with. Wow. What a way to to write an army of people and have them all have like a 75 IQ. <laughs> Are we talking about humans? Or? We're talking about like just the military. I was really pulled out of it specifically when they're getting ready to go have a full-scale invasion on these savages. And fucking Colonel Sanders is, the way I say it, we got to fight terror with terror. And it's like, Jesus Christ, you're pulling straight from George W. there. And then, <laughs> and then they take off. I'd like to be home for dinner now, boys. And all this shit, and they're leaving the compound, and and through the through the glass windows, you just see, and it's it's, it's like, why under any circumstance would you choose to do that with what appears to be real life people? Because as far as I'm concerned, any sort of military operation, you know, high stakes scenario, things would be a little bit more tense. I understand if you're wanting to rally around and, uh, you know, kind of get your boys ready for war. But from what I've seen, just from like films and, and footage from soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan, it is such a parody of that culture in a way I found super repulsive. And I'm not like fucking gung ho. America's the best country in the world. We have the best military power in the world. And that's just not the way the culture should be portrayed. It felt super, super boring and dumb. There should have been an element of fear. Like we should have gotten some close up shots of like these side soldier characters like trembling before going onto the battlefield or something or like, oh man, I got kids at home. Like or there should have been like some strategizing where in this movie they just go like guns blazing into the battlefield. That's something I was thinking about during like that final act of war. I'm I'm thinking to myself, where is like military strategy in this? I'm thinking like they're diving headfirst into this unknown territory. He even mentions all fucking Colonel Sanders is keep an eye out. They're out there. I know you can't see them, but they're out there. And, like, their whole thing was, like, we don't have, our instruments don't work, so we're just going to fucking dive head head in. Like, that doesn't make 
any sense to me. And I know that like it's plot armor and it's a way to help push this final engagement into like full blown chaos. But holy shit, like they should be firing off missiles and hitting the mountains and seeing if, you know, dragons fall and people open fire on them. They all like you should send in the first battalion. You should you you don't send out the fucking warship, the the mothership type of bull right into the into the middle of this action. It doesn't make any sense. I kind of get why they did it because that second act had so many low points for the Uh main characters. So in this third act, you want to see them have the upper hand. And when our main heroes like do get the upper hand at the beginning of that fight, like it is kind of like a a feel good moment, Mm -hmm. but it makes it so much less interesting that they went about it that way. Mm -hmm. Like the whole like scanner thing, not working as you mentioned, like that could have made for some like really good drama. You could have pulled the, obviously on a larger scale, like the whole um, motion detector from Alien. Yeah. Add add some some fear into our antagonists or help empathize with them and see their fear and, and sympathize and understand how they view, you know, and obviously like you're, you're meant to root for the natives. It's obviously that's the point of the story, but and there's no gray area and it, it really helps cheapen the film thematically and emotionally. It feels like the stakes are super low because we've already like seen them pretty much get run down and watching them win was kind of unbelievable. I agree. And I understand the whole, you know, Jake prays to the fucking tree, the tree hears him back and sends in animals and all that shit. And that was a great moment. Yeah. Like that. I get it. I understand. But the whole environmental... It gets really dumbed down when your main resource is called unobtainium. <laughs> you know, the bad guys feel like the guy running the operation. I'm thinking to myself, how did you get here? Who on earth decided, hey, let's send out old fucking buckaroo to run this <laughs> to run this uh, whole operation? You've that called- guy didn't seem like he knew how to do basic math, let alone lead an entire <laughs> army of people to ex- excavate this resource out of the earth. You've called him so many different names. You know what? The guy that plays fucking golf. and Oh, him, that guy. Him and Ranger Rick are like... Oh, I thought you were talking about Ranger Rick a second ago. Well, Colonel Mustard here? Colonel fucking... Who gives a shit? Yeah, the Parker character. Parker. Um, Parker! This is Sorry. the worst character in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. He is the most, like, stereotypical. He's like a sleazy seat. CEO, mm-hmm. he plays golf in the office. He's actually played by an actor that I like, Giovanni Ribisi. He plays um have you ever seen Ted? Yes, with the bear. He's the villain in that movie. He's, I don't remember that movie at all. He's like the pedophile guy that steals Ted at the end. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> he's been in a few things that I like. And in this movie, I think he's terrible. Yeah. Whatever accent he's putting on Sounds like a fake accent. Mm. Like he's enunciating words in the weirdest fucking way. Sounds like he has a piece of chewing gum in. Yeah, he does. I think the one line that cements him as the worst character is when Sigourney Weaver goes on this big monologue about how complicated the biology of the forest is and all this stuff. Oh my God. And he has to go in and be like, oh my God, what are you guys smoking around here? Mm -hmm. You can throw a stick and it'll hit a sacred fern for Christ's sake. Yeah, the writing is so terrible. And that choice of dialogue completely 
disregards like Sigourney Weaver's point, which is world building, but you, it completely gets shadowed and gets taken not seriously by a character in the film. And so you don't care about it as a viewer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I kind of felt like this guy, he should have been the one that had some kind of punishment against him. He disappears completely from the third act and you see him in like the last two minutes of the movie being marched off the planet. Mm-hmm. It's a super lame way to send off that character. Mm-hmm. Do you know if he's casted for the next one? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was just looking up the uh, our Ranger Rick character. He looks like <laughs> Ranger Rick. He looks like he was in a. He was in. Sorry, he was in a. What's that fucking movie called? The guy puts the sperm in the turkey baster. Um. Excuse me. You never seen that movie. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Sperm in the turkey baster movie. Can't say he's, I know that he's one. He's blind and he tries to. F- Stephen Lang is his name. He's in uh, Don't Breathe and Don't Breathe Two. Is that he, the one where the kids break into the blind guy's house and he fucks them all up and he tries to put a tur- like sperm in a turkey baster? Oh, I've never seen this guy in anything. I've, I've, never, I've never seen that movie. Either. I've never seen that movie either. All I know is that he puts sperm in a turkey baster. You know what? I'm I might change my recommendation for the show now. <laughs> he's casted in he's casted in uh, number two. I don't see our uh, our boy Giovanni. So they're bringing back the dead guy, but not the guy that never saw any consequences. Nope. It says he's in it, but mm-hmm. I don't know how much weight that that statement carries because it could just be that they took the OG cast and just fucking copy pasted. Yeah, they do do that sometimes on Google. So like the ending of the film, the whole, despite like them diving in headfirst into war was really fun. I think the third act kind of kicks ass. Yeah. Like as much as I've pretty much shit on this entire film, the fun points are super fun. When it's happening, it's it's a good time. Like this, the final act is it does pay off finally. You know, you do get like that trough of boring exposition after the tree falls and everything, but the shit's fun. You get to see like the giant red dragon like fuck shit up too, and like throw helicopters around. And fortunately, like some of our characters die. Helicopter Lady Trudy. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that earlier in the plainest manner that could have been done yeah she gets fucking lit the shit up she's like i'm dead (laughs) you are dead that's really the extent to it what a great observation you made in the last 30 seconds of your life i guess it should be said that we did miss a couple minutes of audio we had a technical issue so this is like a summary of a summary i did find some of the violence pretty funny in this section the dragons like slinging the helicopters around the two dudes getting crushed between the uh, the explosives. Mm-hmm. I thought this shit was hilarious. I really liked when Jake throws in the missile. Oh, like into the, the blades of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. was dope. Yeah, that's really cool. You never really think about how like missiles are just like just hanging off of like these vehicles and shit. And like you, could, you really could just shoot one and like it would go boom. Yeah. And he throws he throws it uh, up into the, the propellers. That shit's dope. I did kind of hate that Colonel Mustard... Yeah, or whatever this guy's name is. Colonel Sanders, Ranger Rick. He had like infinite plot armor Dude, during this section. Holy shit, he fucking he's invincible. He's they, a super soldier. They shoot through the window and like the helicopter blows up and he still ends up on the floor. This dude's like the Terminator. Exactly. The fucking whole goddamn ship just falls behind him. I think he gets like in a mech suit. Yeah. I was thinking to myself when it happened, I'm like, oh my god, that's such like a 
Fast and Furious blockbuster moment. I'm like, stop. <laughs> You're making it worse. Yeah. It does lead into, and this is something I talked about before we got cut off with audio issues, where it goes into the stereotypical one-on-one, the main hero versus the bad guy. He's in the mech suit. Mm-hmm. I feel like the ending of District 9 was actually very similar to this. Was it not? Yeah, yeah it was. Did that movie come out before? They came out the same year. Really? Damn. They did. I thought the fight was okay, but it leads to great drama when the main cabin where Sully, like his real body is kept, is broken open mm-hmm. and he's left floundering like a fish on the ground. Like coming in and out of consciousness, which the movie doesn't really follow its own rule at that point. Like he should be dead. Because We've learned that the environment, uh, the air that's breathed on this planet is toxic to humans. Yeah. He basically gets saved by his woman, which, you know, this is a cool scene. Like, Natiri comes in on, like, that fucking scary-ass cat thing, that whatever you talk about. I almost completely forgot about, like, the beginning of the film where Jake's out on his own. The animal encounters. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit's really cool. I um, almost forgot, too, over this three-hour-long movie. Mm-hmm. God, man, this movie's so long. That first act feels like it was a year ago uh-huh. by the time you're at the end of it. You know, she fucking lights him up. Gives him the old one-two arrow to the chest. I actually really like the shot. We never really talked about like shot composition or anything, but when he gets hit by the arrow, he looks out into, you get to see from his perspective, and you watch the depth of field focus onto her and watch the arrow come in. That was very cool. It's a nice-ass shot. Because we like, it feels like most of the time we've been like super up close on our characters, and uh, to get to see the scale of Natiri from the colonel's eyes was really cool. Man, he gets fucking... His eyes, like, dilate. Do you notice that? Like, is how big his pupils get? I don't think I noticed that. Like, they're so big. Like, part of me thinks it's, like, something to do with, like, the neurotoxin that comes in. Oh, yeah, that could be it. But, good lord. He looks like cat eyes. But we do get, like, that final bit between Natiri and Jake before the film ends, where you've got, like, that motif of I see you between them the entire film, and she finally gets to see him as just this small man it's kind of jarring if i really think about it but it's cool (laughs) it's nice to be reminded that he is just human and he's like just been integrated into this world we really didn't talk about some of the nicest shots in the film when he releases the giant red dragon like that's a beautiful fucking shot when it flies off into what seems like the sunset with like a couple of planets in the background i think it's easy to overlook shot composition during the cgi Mm -hmm. uh sections of the movie because it is like animated to Mm -hmm. an extent um for some reason whenever i watch animated movies i never think about shot composition unless it's like crazy Mm. unless it's like fantastic mr fox or something yeah you know i guess i will praise the camera work during those cgi sections because it's like it's very handheld style Mm -hmm. it's like it's kind of rough around the edges and it gives the movie this like kinetic breakneck pace to it Mm -hmm. like there's like really nice tracking shots throughout like especially the stuff in the jungle the like when he's moving through home tree it tracks him through the campfire i felt that the cinematography during the human sections was very plain yeah that's a great way to put it good lord it's plain as fuck it's all like indoors too which doesn't help it also doesn't help that i think the indoor sets in this movie are all cgi for the most part yeah like the hangar for example is what i'm thinking of yeah same here all the lab stuff felt very like b movie they were too sanitary yeah that's a great way to put it everything was so neat and orderly 
I mean, I guess like when they get up into like the Hallelujah Mountains and stuff, you kind of see them living a bit, little bit more loose, but still like back at the home base, it feels so, oh God, like corporate. Think back to like Alien again, how the ship looked on lived, that movie. It looked lived in. Yeah. There was like trash lying around, like soda cans and shit, like leftover frozen meals. And in this, it looks like they just moved in. Like the set yeah. was built yesterday. Even though they've been here for years. Yeah, and I guess it just, it all ties back into how the supporting cast of human characters feels so boring. It doesn't do justice to the set either. Like, it just makes things feel so monotonous. And you're using the same set over and over again as well. And poor dialogue isn't going to shine light on any positive aspects of the environment that we're set up in. So, I mean, all the fun stuff is out in the woods. It's out on the planet of Pandora. Um, And I mean, I guess it's... If you really think about it, I might be given too much credit where credit's due, but I think that's kind of the point of the film, too. Like, Yeah, that's true. The the fun and the humanity is out in nature, and all this corporate military bullshit is sucking this place drive life. God, I just gave way too much credit, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I'm really trying to milk it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have been really negative so far. We have, and I don't want to, like... It's not a bad movie like at all. Like, we're not going to give it, like, a 1 out of 10 or something at the end of this. No, I think if you strip it back, and, like, we talked about it how we did, and you really kind of put things in context, if you're, like, really being serious about it, it's like a 6 out of 10, like, story-wise. It doesn't really deserve that because the movie was super groundbreaking. And when you're watching it, it's still is fucking awesome. Like, it's still really fun to watch. It does feel like an adventure. When I'm watching, and you've mentioned this earlier, but you get sucked in, Mm -hmm. and it's not until after the credits roll and you start talking to somebody about it where things get weird. Yeah. It's like 10 out of 10 visuals and like 6 out of 10 writing, which... I would go lower on the writing. Oh, yeah. I would give it like... I'd give it like a 3 or 4. Yeah. But I think... As a a watching experience, it's like somewhere like in the 8 out of 10. But on a technical, foundational layer of script writing and character dialogue, thematically, super weak. Like, 6 out of 10. Like, the themes were stuff pulled from Alien meets Lorax meets Pocahontas meets... You know what I mean? This is a little bit of everything. It's very derivative. But with a new technological twist to it, I think for me, I'd go like a five out of 10. But I think I say that with the hope that this next installment will advance mm-hmm. on this world and advance on these characters as well. Man, this second movie, there's a lot hedging on it. Uh-huh. What if it bombs? Exactly. Like, what the fuck are they going to do? They got like three other movies on the back burner They got like that. four other movies on the background. I think they're going to do like a six- six-parter like will people just be like mr cameron like we might need to rethink like will they pull pull it back down to a trilogy and will they have to rewrite the third one and you know what i mean that'd be a huge disaster i don't think this i don't think they'll let it get to that though i can't believe they've greenlit like half like all the other films so far i feel like that the first film was our way to step into the world and maybe now we'll just be in it and it'd be nice to just be in it and like maybe expand further and deeper into themes and character god this second movie really needed to come out by like 2015 in all honesty 2015 would be perfect 
six years, it had been like, oh my God, I almost completely forgot. I'm so excited. But now it's like, everybody knows that this next one is riding so hard on being good to get these next four fucking films to be good. We got to hope for the best, man. I think it'll be better. No, oh, for I I think since so much time has passed and as a director, I'm sure James Cameron is feeling the pressure and knows that it has to be that much better. The actress that plays Natiri had said during a pre-screening for the film that she cried during the film. So uh, obviously like you know, actress likes her own film, but yeah, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Maybe it speaks to maybe this movie will tackle deeper themes, especially like with the family aspect and uh, more things will be riding on that. I hope the both of us are right. I'm done. You can hit me with it. Whatever you got. Okay. Let's pause real quick. So I'm going to pee so I can think it over. Piss break. Eagerly been anticipating what you got, uh, what you got planned for me. All right. We had to take like a mini break so I could think about it. I was kind of bouncing between two different films one is a little bit older. One is maybe like less than three years old, I'd say. Um, so I guess my white boy spiel for white the boy day spiel. Come on, boy. is here on TDBR, I believe in redemption. Redemption for a certain actor that at one point we shit on quite a bit. It's been about a year, I'd say, since uh, we reviewed the movie Jack and Jill. Oh, I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Please tell me. We like fucking shat on the career of adam sandler who really isn't that bad i mean you know the man likes a paycheck i can't blame him i like paychecks and he's had like his random dramatic role here and there punch drunk love rain over me Mm -hmm. and most recently the safety brothers movie uncut gems i love you so that's my recommendation for two weeks from now you're just the best I think we gave Jack and Jill like a, a zero or a one out of ten. A negative one out of ten. A negative ten out of ten. A couple months ago, you and I watched the Safdie Brothers movie, Good Time, yep. which is like an all-time favorite of mine. He pours the LSD on the poor man. <laughs> that man will never be the same. I think you can expect a little bit of the same, but Uncut Gems is a lot different, too, mm. thematically and in a narrative sense. Okay. So I'm super hyped. I almost watched this by myself a couple days ago. So I've really been itching to watch this soon. So what better way to unpack it on here? And you and I have almost watched it after podcast nights uh-huh. a couple times. And I was kind of like reeling against it mm. in my own mind because I was like, we need, we need to do it for the show. I got we, you. We should do it then. I'm glad I watched Good Time prior. So I'll have a little bit to pull from. It'll be fun. I'm super excited. Oh, that's so fun. I can't wait to be super anxious. I'm super excited. <laughs> I loved Good Time. It's probably one of the best films I've ever seen. Oh, it's a great dude. Nothing, I've, no, I've never seen anything quite like it, so I'm super hyped. Yeah, man, Adam Sandler in a dramatic role makes me super happy, so I'm excited to see this for the first time. Oh, yeah, I think you'll you'll probably love it. Oh, dude, I'm so hyped. That's awesome. Well, we just got done shitting on a movie, um, and we're going <laughs> to redeem. Maybe we'll redeem it eventually in uh, Avatar 2. We'll do a little something-something for that if we go both see it or something. Hopefully. On a bonus episode, or we'll come to it. But until then, uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, and next time, uh, I'll have a full-blown panic attack while describing this film, I'm sure. Uh, and it'll be a good time. Uh, but until then, uh, I'm going to say goodbye, and uh, so is my good friend Alex Getter. Adios.